All right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Sunday, February 5th. F it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. And I'm live from the West Coast. I'm Pat. That's right. We are a bi-coastal B.O. Boys uh, tonight. Uh, and when I say tonight, for me, it's it's evening. And for Clayton, it's late evening? Yeah, it's still evening. It's still evening, but it's different parts of the evening. Like I, where I am, West Coast, L.A., Hollywood, it's early evening. Where you are, it's late evening. Yeah, you're going to dinner yes. where you are. Yes. And here, we're having late dinner. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's, I mean, listen, it's, we've said this before. The major cities, New York, L.A., uh, London, Berlin... I guess, you know, maybe Singapore, you know, your big cities, Mexico City, maybe. I'm not sure. We'll figure that out. They all should be on one big city time zone, you know. Mm -hmm. So we'll we'll get to that. But Clayton, I think the first thing we got to get to is you're going to have to plow from your side of the country and, and let us know what happened for this weekend of Friday, February 3rd. So just before we get into this, I'm going to use the deadline top five. And the reason I'm going to do that is because Numbers doesn't seem to have the BTS uh, concert film on their top five, but it is on deadline. So I'm going to go with deadline here. Okay. So number one, Knock at the Cabin made $14.2 million in its first weekend. Number two, another newbie. 80 for Brady made $12.5 million in its debut. Number three, Avatar The Way of Water made $10.8 million, down 32%. It is now at $636.4 million in its eighth weekend. Number four, Puss in Boots, Last Wish, made $7.9 million, down 24%. It is at... 151.2 million in week seven. And rounding out your top five, according to Deadline, BTS, yet to come in cinemas, made $6.3 million uh, in its first weekend. And I guess it was an early week release because it is now totaling $9.1 million in its first weekend. And then number six, Man Called Auto. All right, so that is your top six. So, uh, Clayton, I say let's get into it with the lead story, the battle for first place, a battle that we, listen, we did not think was going to be close. You know, we did not see this as a fight for first. We saw this as there would be a clear winner and there would be a clear also ran. I, I mean, I had 80 for Brady, I think, in third place. So, so did you, I think you had it lower, sir. I may have had it. Fourth, you had fifth, it six. way I, lower. I, I may have had the BTS movie ahead of it, and I never even mentioned the BTS. You didn't movie mention it, but in your mind, it was. Yeah. If yeah, we did not think this was going to be Batista versus Brady, but it turned out to be that way. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I hate to give Brady any credit for this. I guess what you would say is a slight overperformance for eighty for Brady. But let's start at the number one knock of the cabin. Universal, M. Night Shyamalan movie. 
He's got another number one. You know, officially, the uh, knock is number one, and Shyamalan gets to crow about opening another movie at number one. Does this feel like an underperforming opening weekend? I mean, are we going there? Well, yeah, it did less than old, which opened up in the summer, but still COVID-ish times. Yeah, 2020. We are pretty much full on... Everybody's going to the movies. Obviously, when you see 80 for Brady, you see people going to the f- movies. Avatar, people going to the movies. So this is an underperformer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen this film, and I wish I had seen it before we talk about it, because I'm not sure why it didn't do as well as something like Old. Maybe because Old was just a catchier concept. There was a lot of vagueness to this movie, which usually helps with the M. Night product because we know he's the master of twists. He's the master of of subverting your expectations. So that shouldn't have really worked against it. Mm-hmm. Batista is a rising star, but it might not have been enough to get this thing to 20s, let alone 30s. I mean, I had it sniffing 30 last week. You know, it was, I, yeah. I predicted a 30 sniffer, and it did not sniff 30. It basically sniffed mid-teens. And yeah, that yeah. is far off. That is a, a, a several noses difference in terms of sniffing. But but to your credit, I mean, uh, it was tracking. I mean, the tracking on Box Office Pro was anywhere from 18 to 27. Yes. So, so it came in below the tracking. It came in below our predictions. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing this film in a few hours, you mm-hmm. know, which will be it, it'll be late evening New York time. It'll be God knows when where you are, but uh, I'm sorry, LA time and God knows what yeah. where you are. But I'm seeing this film. So the thing that we're hearing, this did get a very low cinema score. I think it got a C minus. You know, but people coming out of the movie are not recommending it. Okay, and. I think when you compare it to old and you compare the premises, you know, the premise of old was the beach that makes you old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that on its surface has a lot of depressing elements because no one wants to go to a beach and become old. But there definitely seems to be some fun that that promises. You know, you may get to see some crazy aging effects and there's some hijinks you know aging brings hijinks even if it brings some pain and misery but i do think what knock at the cabin when you look at what this premise is it is a fairly dour premise you know the premise is a family has to choose who they're going to kill or else it's the end of the world and it's sort of promising audiences you're going to see one of two things either members of a nuclear family murder, pick and murder one of each other, or the world's going to end. You know, there's no promise of, this is not a movie where Batista plays a hero who comes in and stops this. He's the Mm -hmm. one who's saying this is what's going to happen. So in retrospect, this does feel like a movie that doesn't promise fun. No. And, and, you know, I think we're, especially now in movie times where the promise of fun is maybe the most important thing that a movie could have. Yeah. I mean, it's very true. I mean, uh, can we think of a, 
a truly dour movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this is truly dour because there's always fun to be had with M. Night movies. Yes. I'm sure it has its pleasures, but you're right. I mean, this is, you know, it's a beach that makes you old. And and honestly, beaches do make you old because of the sun rays will cause you to wrinkle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, this is a cabin that makes you choose. Yes. You know, and it's like people don't want to go to an Airbnb and have to choose to kill their, you know, adopted daughter or their life partner or whoever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it is one of those things. It might have been a little heavy. It might yes. have been a little heavy. I mean, Megan, not a heavy movie, a very no. fun movie. Even something like Smile was uh, happy because you get to smile. Right, right. I mean, it's right there in the title. You know, it's this, Smile. Yes, yes. If, if it was this, called Frown, do you think it's going to make uh, nearly 100 mil? I don't think so. That That is such a good point. Yes, the, 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 even though Smile is, is all... I mean, listen, it's, it's a movie in which there's multiple suicides and murders, but... The title tells you you'll see people smiling, and you know smiling's one of those things that's infectious. So yeah, that's a movie that for obviously Megan promises fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's built around a dancing doll, and even if the doll murders, it's promising you the dancing doll. Yeah. Knock at the cabin, and God, I I wanted to say door at the end of that, and I I caught myself. Uh, it's so hard. It's not so hard to. not to say door. Which listen, maybe that's was an issue for people. They were wanting, their brains were filling in that door, and then when it wasn't there, they just get annoyed by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I want to say it to completion, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you sh- you really need to title these phrases to completion. I think mm-hmm. that that's a lesson we're learning here from the underperformance of Knock at the Cabin. Well, look at Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. It's, I just want to dance with somebody. Yeah, I listen. I kept putting that just in there, and the movie bombed. And you know who's right uh, and who's wrong. On that. I mean, I think you're right. The, yeah, I think so you're right. I I think to the degree that this is a disappointing opening weekend, we were we were judging we we were predicting it based on typical M Night movies, which do have a little bit of kookiness and the promise of something, you know. Even in a dark M. Night movie, there seems to be levity and a big premise and some wackiness to be had. And Knock at the Cabin, I think just audiences really saw those trailers as something that just might be too depressing. Mm -hmm. It is February as well. February is a rough month. We did have a cold snap. Mm -hmm. So people were bundling up. You know, the East Coast was frigid. Right, I know you right. were in La La Land, so you weren't affected by right. it. It's 60 degrees here. It's great. But it's like people thought, do I want to see Knock at the Cabin or do I want to go 80 for Brady? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? But here's the thing. We'll talk. Let's let's talk about them as a couple fighting each other at, at a point later. Mm-hmm. Let's talk uh, demos for this film for Cabin. Okay, sure. Guys, 59%. 64% were between 18 to 34, which is good. That's the youngster Mm -hmm. demo, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Diversity Mm -hmm. demos, 39% Caucasian, 28% Latino and Hispanic, 16% Black, 17% Asian or other. So, I mean, that's pretty good 
demos, right? Right. I just right. don't think the amount of people was what it needed to be big. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it, it, it just so let's see. It did skew younger, mm-hmm. right? Guys showed up fifty nine percent, so more guys. 64% between 18 and 34, and you would think that is what you want for a horror movie. And I, yes. I, I think that may be a reason we're seeing these low cinema scores, is you have this big audience of 18 to 34 who probably went in thinking this is going to be a horror movie. You know, people in a cabin, slasher, they're banding together to get away from the slasher, whatever. And... This does seem, and again, neither of us have seen it, but from the reviews, it seems like this is pretty much a drama. And I think you're- It's a thinky movie. It's a thinky movie. It's a thinky movie. And I think a lot of these uh, uh, 18 to 34-year-olds went for a horror movie. They got a thinky movie. They got a depressing thinky movie. And it almost, this this is a universal movie, but it seems like it's it's got a little of that A24 effect that we talk about, where- People go in thinking they're getting a horror movie, and then they get something that has 15 seconds of horror elements and otherwise mm-hmm. is a depressing drama. Yeah. And again, we haven't seen Knock, but I, I could see that low cinema score being an A24 effect situation. Yeah. I mean, and when the, the good thing about this film and Brady. Mm-hmm. fighting it out mm-hmm. was that a lot of people who went to see 80 for Brady saw it during matinees, saw it early. Mm-hmm. And then the audience switched over to cabin. Okay. Right. Younger, more male. Okay. Where Brady will get into those demos, but it was older and it was female. Okay. This is good. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wish cabin had done better. But the way that this was split up by business is what theaters should want. Yes. You want to pack these theaters at all times of the day, mm-hmm. right? So you, if you have the autos, if you have the 80 for Brady's, if you have the book club twos, you're going to fill out all of these showings that are early that a lot of younger people aren't going to go to because they want to go out late. They want to do it in the dark. Et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So you're bumping all day long. Right. That's what was good about this weekend. Also, this weekend was up from 2019, which is also good. That's huge. Um, yeah. That's huge. So, I mean, there are positives to come from this. We just wish that Cabin would have sniffed 30 or at least topped 20. Yes. And, and the thing is with this movie, we'll see what it does with, with legs. I mean, old was pretty leggy. It opened at 16 and got to 48. So it had a three times multiplier, which is good. I don't know. We'll see if Knock has that. The low cinema score makes 35 really percent. I think it's 35 percent uh, uh, would recommend. That's that, not That's rough. Good. That's definitely rough. And, and rough I do stuff. think, I think it's clear. People went thinking they were getting a horror movie and then did not get that. And that's always a problem. I mean, all, cinema scores are basically a test of did the movie match the marketing? Yeah. And this may have been a situation where it didn't. Or, I mean, the trailer was pretty a depressing premise, but maybe people thought, 
oh, it can't be as depressing as the trailer was. And then maybe it was, you know, maybe it was. I, I'll say this as far as, is this a, 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 a loss for M. Night? This is another one of his movies where he keeps the budgets low. It's $20 million budget. Yeah. So it's going to make its bones. It's going to make its bones. It's going to make its bones theatrically. This isn't a situation yes. where I think M. Night has to do a rock-like tweet and no. say the financiers have figured out the, you know, the downstream revenues and it'll be profitable in six years. I think this it, is a movie yeah. that will be profitable in theatrical because it'll get to its 30-something million, and, well, M. Night, and that, he, that'll, that'll make it profitable. He will have to talk to his financiers because he'll have to, they'll have to tell him, we're not going to take your house. Like, he just has to have assurances that they're not taking his house on every movie. Right, right. So that's the only thing. It's just, at this point, it's just like, hey, you know, he should tweet out and be like, listen, I talked to my financiers. I still got my house. This is good. He... he he really should stop financing these movies with his house every time. I feel like yeah. he has earned just getting a salary from a studio that is paying for these lower budget movies. I think Absolutely. he's earned that. So don't 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 make him om- like if this if one of his next movies fails, M Night should not be homeless. Yes, yes, he for should not sure. be without a home. Yeah. So I think. For I think for him, he's going to be fine coming out of this. I saw a very interesting uh, uh, tweet from our our friend and colleague, the great Scott Mendelson, saying he thinks M. Night Shyamalan should be looking for higher budgets for his movies. He feels, okay. if anything, M. Night uh, uh, handcuffs himself now by keeping his movies so low budget. And, and M. Night, uh, Scott Mendelson thinks that Maybe we should see a little more money on the screen from M Night. So that wow. that's an interesting it's an interesting take after an underperforming opening weekend. But I do kind of see what he means. It's been a while since we've gotten a big budget M Night movie. He's almost stayed uh, gun shy about that since After Earth and Last mm-hmm. Airbender. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if if this is the time to say his next movie needs to be an eighty million dollar budget. The thing is, is the lower the budget, the more you can play with concepts that are like, it's a beach, but you get old. Mm -hmm. It's a cabin, but you got to decide. If the budget gets higher, the concepts have to get more like, this is what it is. Put it in a nugget and feed it to the masses. And I don't know if he wants to necessarily do that. that. That would have to be, you know... A, a very, very straightforward concept that they know they're going to be able to make there. You know, he gets a, if he gets a $70 million budget, they got to know they're making that 70 back. Right, right. And then it's not it going to be knock on the uh, cabin. It's not right. going to be based around someone knocking on a cabin. It's going to be like a Megan type situation. Right, 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 right. So even though Megan was a low budget, but you know what I mean? It's got to be like, Oh, I get this immediately. Yeah. Everybody gets this immediately. The premise would have to be uh, it's a superhero, but he wears a cape. You know, that would have to be the movie where M. Night gets a huge budget. So yes. he, I think he's better off. I like these, these low budgets, weird premises. I think for Dave Batista. I knew I was, that's what I was going to ask. What do you think? I Does think. This do for Dave. I think the David. most important thing 
coming out of this movie for Dave Bautista. And listen, we're the B.O. boys and, and box office reign supreme. But I think it, for his career, the reviews on this movie are actually more important mm-hmm. than the box office. You know, he's got it opened number one. So now he could say he was the lead of a movie that opened number one at the box office. And you First can end number this, one of yep. 2023 and unseated Avatar. Right, right. The first new, yeah, the first new movie to open number one. Yes. Um, and so he could say he's he's the lead in a number one opener. Uh, and listen, David Spade could say that. And there's a, there's a, you know, there are a lot of actors who could say that. But yeah, David but, but Dickie Roberts was the lowest grossing number one but, e- ever, maybe still. I'm not sure. You don't it's have, gotta be. You don't have to always follow up with this is what it made. You could just say, I opened the movie number one. So Dave Batista could say that. And I think more importantly, he seems to be getting, even in reviews that don't like this movie, he's getting great acting reviews. Yeah. And at this point in his career, that's the most important thing is that people are saying he's very good in the movie. So I think... It opened number one. He's getting good critical notices. This is a success for Dave Bautista. It's a big year for him. He's got some big, big movies coming out this year. So I think this is a a good start for his year. So he did beat Brady in money, but not necessarily ticket sales. Mm -hmm. So we'll get to that. Tell us about that, Clayton. Well, so you, you sent me a... A tweet from again from the great Scott Mendelson, right? Okay. Talking about how eighty for Brady actually sold more tickets mm. than Knock at the Cabin Door. Yes, but that's because they cut the price for eighty for Brady because they wanted to incentivize older people to come. Mm-hmm. So the average ticket price for eighty for Brady was nine seventy nine. As compared to knock on the cabins, twelve thirty. Wow! Right? So it's estimated that eighty for Brady had one point three million people mm-hmm. purchase tickets, as compared to knock at the cabins, one point one million. Wow! So at the end of the day, this variable pricing means that eighty for Brady doesn't have the number one. Uh, at the box office because of money, but definitely more people saw 80 for Brady this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's a smart strategy. They basically went with senior pricing and matinee pricing for all. Yes, and it will uh, continue next weekend too. So they're not just doing this for for the uh, short term. They are really investing in this to get this movie to continue to have legs, especially because it's going to be going up against the actual Super Bowl. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting strategy, and I, you know, I I like it because the audience for this movie, and you'll go over the demos, is definitely skews old, mm-hmm. and the there's a lot of people who went to this who were going to get lower price senior tickets anyway. Yes, you know, but. It allowed them to bring their adult children mm-hmm. with them and say, you'll get the senior pricing too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge draw because it lets the it lets the family, all right, fine, Ma, I'll go with you to see 
80 for Brady. I know you're a big Sally Field fan and, and it looks cute. I'll come with you because the tickets are discounted three or four dollars. So I think that that's that's nice. I wonder though what the and this is again, you know, Brandon Gray of Box Office Mojo, we talked about this with him years ago, how we should have concession numbers. Because I would mm-hmm. love to know if even with more people who went to see 80 for Brady this weekend and knock at the cabin, if those people spent more money at concessions than the smaller amount of audience that went to see knock at the cabin. Because to me, I mean, listen, not to generalize, but I do think a lot of 80 for Brady ticket buyers, they came in with a bag of Werther's originals. Oh yeah. You know, with some leftovers with, with some, half sandwiches from the day before, you know, just like a bag of candy that's all stuck together in a ball. And they probably bought less concessions than that younger audience who went to see Knock at the Cabin. Absolutely. So there, yeah, absolutely. I would say that younger people buy more concessions Mm -hmm. because they eat worse than older people. Yeah. But also, like you said, older people bring things in. Yeah. Uh, because they feel like I, I'm on a fixed income. Right. If I buy a, you know, if I buy pretzel bites at this place, that means that who knows if I get my insulin. Right, right. And, and just the, the danger of what will this nacho cheese do to my dentures? You know, I mean I, that's huge. Juji fruits. I mean that it's like a blight on dentures. There's no way. There's right. So there's too many sticky candies. Right. To deal with for these older people. Right. So the eighty for Brady crowd, they bring in their food because they know what this food does to their dentures, does to their gums, and they could deal with that. So they probably did buy less popcorn, less concessions than the not. I, I wish we had these statistics. I'd love to know. We need these statistics. Uh, I mean, we're going to be doing this forever, so it'll happen in our lifetimes mm-hmm. that we are getting the concession, concession, uh, concession numbers. Pardon mm-hmm. me, fuck it, it's Rafi. Ah, I'm going to have to beep that. Yeah, you're going to have to. <sighs> it's not beeped on YouTube though, so don't let your kids watch this YouTube. Um, but mm-hmm. I do think that getting older people back into the theater is positive, even if they're not eating as many Mike and Ikes, Yeah, right? yeah. Because yeah. getting this demo in, you got Otto, you got Brady. I mean, this is going to become a habit for people. Yeah. They're going to want to go on a Saturday, on a Sunday, from 1 to 5 p.m., which was when admissions were the highest for this film. Mm-hmm. And then for Knock, it was 5 to 8 p.m. and after 8. So there was a crossover. There was like, oh, hi, Grandma. You know, mm-hmm. she's leaving the theater at 5. Little Tommy is going in with his friends at uh, 5 to see uh, Knock. Yeah. So, I mean, this is great. It's like families are walking through this thing all day. Right, right. So let's go over the demos for, we got the final demos for 80 for Brady. Mm-hmm. And listen, you're the demo god. Do you have the demos in front of you? Do you want to? Uh, do you have them in I front have of them. you? So the final demos for 80 for Brady were okay. 82%, 82% percent 
over yep. 25, 73% over 35, 65% are over 45, and as Deadline says, a whopping 49% of the ticket buyers for 80 for Brady are older than 55 years old. Yes. I mean, that is... That is a stunning number. That is a, a more basically half of the audience for 80 for Brady are older than 55. They are the age that can legally live in a 55 and up retirement community. Mm-hmm. That that is a huge number. That's great. We love to see it. We uh, we love to see that these older uh, uh, these older people feel safe going to the movies. That's a, I think that's a great sign. Yes. You know, that's the kind of statistic that should be reported not just in the box office circles, but in, you know, the general health care should let people know that, hey, this weekend, more than half of the audience for 80 for Brady was over 55. That's a good pandemic statistic. Yeah. Um, and then the diversity demos were... 78% Caucasian, so definitely over-indexing on the Caucasian side. 12% Hispanic and Latino, 4% Black, that's under-indexing. 3% Asian, under-indexing. So this was, you know, a movie for older white people. That is the, that is the demo that Tom Brady plays to. And Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda play too. Rita Moreno, yeah. hopefully, you know, helped get a little diversity in there. I mean, everyone yeah. loves Rita Moreno. Absolutely. Um, and it seems here people were, according to Anthony D'Alessandro, people were happy to see the energy that Rita Moreno has at 91. So, I mean, just seeing her 91. move around so much, I think, is just inspiring for an audience and definitely inspiring for that over 55 audience. 68% women, too. This was wow. women-skewing film. Now, we have some Boots on the Ground reporting. Uh-oh. You know we love Boots on the Ground. Yep. From our friend and fellow podcast host, mm-hmm. Micah. Yes. Who wrote, On Friday, my wife, a friend, and I went to see 80 for Brady on a lark. We went to a 240 showing so as to maximize the older crowd attendance. Mm. We walked in and the theater was basically full except for the two front rows that are too close to the screen. The audience was hooting and hollering like it was an Avengers movie. I think all things considered, this movie knows what it is and who it's for, and it's going to have some nice legs. It's also, frankly, a nice movie that that was actually quite funny and had a lot of heart. Wow. So thank you, Micah. Of course, listen to the Macaw uh, podcast universe, Macaw Cinematic Universe. Yes. I think is, is, uh, we've done the show several times. It's a, it's a great show. We're do, I'm sure we're going to do it again. We're just waiting for the call. But yes. thank you for that, Boots on the Ground. And here's the facts about this movie. Yeah. It looked fun. That's and it. you know what? They hammered this everywhere. You saw this at the theater, you saw the trailers. You, when you're watching football, you saw those commercials. They spent. Paramount is doing. I mean, can, they owned 2022. 
Are they going to own 2023? Because they're just smart over there. They know in order to make a movie successful, you got to pay for ads. And a movie like this, you got to pay for ads in places that are your your conventional places, right? You're not going to do a Reddit Mm -hmm. AMA, maybe. But that's not Uh, where most of your people, huh, are going to find you. It's meat and potatoes. Put this on the side of buses. Put these commercials every time there's a stop down in a football game, you see Rita Marino's face, right? Yes. yes. That is important. Yeah. And who is it? Brian Robbins? He's the guy over there at Paramount? Save He's this, the one running Paramount. Save this thing from streaming. They're not. Yep. They're not. They're not yep. uh, throwing stuff on there, sacrificing stuff to try and get subscribers. They're putting things in the theater, and then guess what? It goes on their their streaming platform, and people come. He's got yes. it right. Yes. He's doing I some mean, smart stuff over there. Good for you. He was he was the head of the class. Now he's the head of Paramount, and he's doing a great Listen, job. And I wasn't gonna say it. That... I wasn't gonna say it because I didn't want it, to. It's to talk about him being on a TV show feels like we're demeaning him, right? But but that's why I didn't say TV it. Show. He was. He was. He but was. I, I, he and was, I was thinking he's it. Moved up in life. Now he's part of the movie business. So exactly, it's the trajectory that everyone wants to have in life. He's the head of Paramount movies. The so studio he, going right now. He decided, and this was not a movie that he developed because this was a movie that was developed before he got there. Yeah. But he took it from what was a planned Paramount Plus streaming release, put it in movie theaters like he did for Smile. And, you know, this movie doesn't need to make $100 million like Smile did to, to pay off. No, this movie not at is all. already, I think, clearly a success. It's overperforming. Yes. It's like Micah said, it's got a real good chance of being leggy because people like it. And yet it just looked like a good time. Now, listen, I was very down on this movie last week. I'll admit it. I predicted it to underperform. I think maybe I put a little too much weight into the Brady of it all, you know, that he's unpopular. Mm -hmm. And in the end, the audience that wanted to see this movie... They were going for Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, Sally Field. That is yeah. why they went. Brady was inconsequential yep. to this movie. He was the MacGuffin. You know, it could have been uh, 80 for a bowl of soup, and they were mm-hmm. going for a, 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 a trying to get a can of soup at a supermarket, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they just wanted to see these four stars party. Have a good time. And that is what the trailer promised. And apparently that is what this movie delivers. You know, a good time with these total pro actresses and Guy Fieri. And listen, this could be... Guy Fieri was heavily featured in this trailer. Oh, yeah. We did not talk about him in our weekend preview. This is a big win for Guy Fieri. Because I do think now in retrospect, his... Uh, uh, ubiquity in these trailers helped get a lot of people in the door. They mm-hmm. wanted to see him. I think this is a bigger win for Guy Fieri than it is for Tom Brady. Uh, okay, okay. But but can we say, though, that he was not the biggest draw for this? Obviously, the ladies. Those ladies are the biggest draw. By oh, far. of course. Yes. Okay. And then we put 
Guy Fieri. And then we put Rob Gronkowski because he does some commercials. He's probably more well-liked than Brady at this point. So then Gronkowski and then Brady. Yes, yes. Did You know, when we divvy up the – this is a movie – yeah, and I know we, we don't want to make promises we can't keep, but I do think at the end of this run we have to divvy up the millions. I think this is a good one to. Divvy it's the perfect up at one to do point. because we have to see how much Brady gets. Do we divvy it up if it hits eighty total? Can't well, well, hitting eighty is probably not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Didn't no, no. even hit eighty, and this this won't do book club numbers. I don't think. No. Does, do, do you think the Tom Brady retirement announcement a week before had any uh, positive uh, effect on this movie or did I, that not matter? I mean, not that he was a guy that <laughs> didn't get coverage, but I do think him being talked right. about, even though, you know, they were out of the playoffs mm-hmm. and basically like Tampa Bay got in the playoffs in such a. You know, that was a terrible division, so they weren't going to go anywhere. So it wasn't like he was going to go back to the Super Bowl. I do think the announcement on the weekend, Brady was on people's lips. Right, right. At the moment. And that's always positive to have that name on people's lips. Yeah. So that that probably helped. But this is a big win for those four ladies. I think for Jane Fonda, this is huge because she, she's got two big, uh, uh, big uh, franchises now. I mean, possibly They're, the eighty for Brady. We'll see how it legs out. This is a movie that could definitely become a franchise. Yeah, you know, because these ladies in this movie, they were excited to go to Super Bowl and meet Tom Brady. They could they could be ninety for someone else in in a couple of years. Eighty one for uh UFC whatever UFC guy. I mean uh, you know ninety one go... for McGregor. Yeah, yeah, they go yeah. Go see a yeah. Conor McGregor fight in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, send I, him to a UFC. Yeah, do it. Yes, that that's the way you go. Send him so, to Wimbledon. I know there's no numbers there, but you know I mean fifteen well, eight, whatever. Eighty one. At this point now, we're going by the age. and so Yes, that's 80, what it is. It's a play you, on the age. You want to you want to get them in the next couple of years. You don't want to wait for 90. You no. know, listen, these four women, they'll outlive us all, God, God willing. But I think you don't want to you don't want to chance it. So I would say try and do 81, 82, maybe 83 for, let's say McGregor. Don't mm-hmm. wait for ninety from McGregor. No, d- no, d- no, don't don't wait that. But I think that's the way to go. I think these four women going to Vegas to see a big UFC fight, and of course they wind up in the cage. Yeah. You know, oh, it looks like, and I don't know. Maybe this is a an attempt at getting Ronda Rousey's movie career back on track. You know, she gets her ass kicked by Lily Tomlin. Or uh, Sally Field, you know, it gives her a, a real crowd-pleasing beating. That yeah. that could be a way of, of, you know, trying to get back whatever heat she had coming off the Entourage movie. So I, I think this is, yeah, this is a possible franchise because it's just these four women continue to age and they continue to be super fans of big sports stars. Mm-hmm. This is great. I mean... Listen, I think Paramount will be smart about it. Whatever they do, they're going to be smart about it because yes. they're just making all the right moves. Yeah, yeah. And with with a smaller, what you would have thought was a smaller property, 
they get a hit, you know, because their their big thing this year is uh, uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. But you don't want to be a studio that only lives and dies by the tent poles. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be what Paramount is right now, where they could have hits with Smile and Eighty for Brady and maybe Scream in a couple of uh, uh, in a month or so. So mm-hmm. good for Paramount, good for those ladies, good for Guy Fieri. Yeah. And uh, you know what? And good for Tom Brady. He, he was for not Gronk. a negative. And good for Gronk. So yeah. Um, now, one other new release that we'll quickly touch on is, was this a good weekend for Jesus? Because we did have The Chosen, season three, season finale, mm-hmm. opened up in theaters this weekend. And uh, I mean, I would say this was a little bit of a disappointment when you compare to what the uh, Chosen Season 3 Episodes 1 and 2 did at the box office when they came out in November. Oh, absolutely. I mean, on deadline, it's down to number 9. Wow. Wow. Uh, It made $5.3 million. Yeah, this is is a disappointment. I think we were way higher on this. Yeah. Yeah, we thought the, Chosen was the new sort of church bus staple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But again, and you brought up something, and we're not very knowledgeable about how this season was quality-wise. Maybe it just wasn't a good season, and they yeah. didn't care how it wrapped up. I mean, that's possible. Who knows? Maybe The Chosen has jumped the proverbial shark. Yeah. I mean, because the the... First movie, or the episodes one and two of this season did 8.7, and this movie did what, 5 million? Yeah, it looks like it did 5.3. So that's. Oh, no, actually, I'm so sorry. The total was 5.3, the three day was 3.6. Oh, so this, I think then this maybe was a disappointment. There's two possible reasons here is. This was a disappointing season of The Chosen, season three, yeah. which we will never know for sure because we won't watch it. And there really aren't reviews of this series readily available. You know, mm-hmm. there's, not, uh, there's not vulture uh, watch-alongs with, for The Chosen season three. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know if this season was a dip in quality. Maybe the availability of the show increased over the season. That's so that also it was possible. In more yes. Homes, although you would still want to think that people would want to see it on the big screen if it's available. Mm-hmm. But I guess that fan interest in this show has dipped over the season. I don't know if a popular character was killed off in the middle of the season. I mean, I would think maybe maybe was Jesus killed off in the middle of season three, so the interest wasn't as high. Spoiler. Uh, I I don't know, you know, and and maybe there was some kind of will they or won't they romance that fizzled out over the course of the season. That maybe people were very interested to see these two characters be a couple. Jesus and, and Mary Magdalene. Right, right, and then by the end of the season, he's dead. Again, spoiler, sorry, but you know the yeah. character of Jesus is, is, dies in the middle of the season. His his relationship issues are, are solved, and by the end of the season, people didn't care as much. I don't know. I don't know. I'll never know. We're never going to watch the chosen season three. But 
disappointing weekend. It doesn't seem like The Chosen is necessarily going to be the new box office version of the God's Not Dead movies. No, I, I think it's going to take something really big, great quality that's that's going to break out. I mean, it, we got a great email from Austin uh, talking about everything, 80 for Brady and Cabin. Mm. And he said, when talking about The Chosen, what the hell happened? This mm-hmm. is a Transformers 4 to Transformers 5 level drop wow. between installments. I mean, it's true. Wow. And 5 was the movie that they that made Paramount stop making Transformers per, movies for a while. Pretty like much basically, so. They put it on hold. Then Bumblebee was a much lower budget attempt to use that IP. So this could be a situation where, yeah, we don't get the chosen theatrical releases for a while mm-hmm. you know yeah it, i mean does season four the, does the premiere get a fathom events maybe not yeah maybe not i think that you gotta try it one more time yeah because run it back because the season premiere of season three did so well at the box office you gotta try one more season premiere and mm-hmm. see if it continues going down or maybe this is just a franchise where People love seeing the beginnings, and then they drop off by the end. So, so I think they got to try one more The Chosen uh, uh, theatrical release of these episodes. Uh, but I feel like for those big television shows, like, say, something like Succession, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think the premiere gets a big, big uh, number. And then the uh, the last, you know, the the season finale gets a huge number, too. So... This feels like something went wrong here. Yeah, something went wrong. Um, someone that will never get know. To the bottom of it. We'll, but never, we'll know. never know. Yeah. If somebody knows, if you are somebody who watches mm. the Chosen, yes, who is a Chosen fan, let us know how season three was. You don't have yes. to go into details because you know we'll skim past that if it's talk about Jesus and all that stuff. Right. Just say quality wise what you believe season three was like. Did it, right. Was it a great opener and then it dropped off in quality? Or was this the best finale ever and you're shocked that people didn't run out to the cinema to see it? Right, right. Yeah. But I'll also, cold weather this week. I, again, and I hate to say, I'm not going to, I'm not making excuses for Chosen, but I don't know if the church buses are heated. There might be a lot of people who are like, too cold. It's just too cold. Yeah, yeah. Here, here is one other thing that could have affected the chosen. Okay. Is eighty for Brady? Could there have been any crossover there? Oh, absolutely. Where, right, I, I could see that. I, I and I mean, and maybe a little bit of crossover for Knock at the Cabin in the sense that Knock at the Cabin sort it's of about religious premise. Yeah, yeah, religious fervor. The two big studio movies may have pulled a little bit from. The chosen season three season finale fans, possibly. I think there was there was a lot of older women who were like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be bad this weekend. Yeah. And I'm gonna yeah. go see 80 for Brady and not go see Chosen. Because I can see yes. Chosen at home, but I can't see Jane Fonda, Sally right. Fields, Rita Moreno. Right. And Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. Well, I was going to say, yeah. uh, gosh, what's her face? Uh, Lily 
Lily Tomlin, how dare I forget right. her? Right, right. So, yeah, I think these movies had a little more overlap than movies usually do. So, if you, though, know something we don't know about The Chosen, or if you have any other boots on the ground reporting, email us at theboboyspodcast at gmail.com. We love getting your emails. Thank you, Austin, for your uh, really detailed email about your thoughts this weekend. Uh, we always love to get that. Thank you, Micah, for your boots on the ground reporting. Um about the film that you saw. So Clayton, I, I, I mean, I think we did it. I feel we like absolutely did it. We, we, we got through a lot. Listen, there's a lot of holdovers this week. We'll, we'll go over some of that stuff on the weekend preview episode. No, nothing yeah. earth shattering about the holdovers. Man called Otto continuing to hold really well. So that's great to see, but yes. email us the BO boys podcast at gmail.com. Of course, Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. Say whatever you want in the review, but give us five stars. That's all that matters. And uh, subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Pointing down, that's where you do it. Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button. Smash, smash, smash. And uh, yeah, I think that's it, Clayton. Yeah, we did it, Pat. And uh, there's nothing left to say. No. Except until next time. Will we'll smell you at the box office. Nailed it.